Well, today we're talking about finding the strength of God in our life uh, through whatever circumstances we may be facing. Last week, we kicked off this new series, Stronger Than Ever. And uh, today we're going to continue talking about the Red Sea, the parting of the Red Sea. In Exodus chapter 14, I want you to open your Bible today. Exodus 14, we're going to pick up where we left off last week. But you know, I was thinking this week, when, we talk, when it comes to the subject of the strength of God, sometimes it feels like that there's a lot that's missing. I mean, maybe you've heard, be strong in the Lord, or you've heard some other great Bible verses, or maybe you've, you've heard some quotes or some concepts, and you've thought, man, that sounds really awesome. But then you've wondered, well, how does that really, how does that really operate? Like, how does that really work in my life. Anybody ever read a Bible passage and you thought, okay, that's beautiful, but what does that mean? You know, how does that work? I want to, today I want to break it down a little bit. The strength of God, practically speaking, how we can experience it in our everyday lives, because that's what God desires for us. Um, I kind of think sometimes the, the strength of God can be like looking at a set of Ikea instructions, um, a few years ago, we bought some Ikea furniture and, uh, we opened everything up and everything was to be connected with the dowels, you know, and I don't know about you, but I don't feel like I'm putting something together unless there's a hammer and some nails and maybe a drill or, or, or some bolts or like some, something, right? And they're like, no, just put the, put the dowels in, but the instructions don't tell you that it's all these little pictures and all these little diagrams and, it seems like there's a lot that's been left out. I mean, you know, you're reading it and you're like, how do I get from point A to point Z? Well, I found this mock, illustri- this mock um, little instruction thing on how to build a Haas. Um, they're Scandinavian in uh, the Ikea, Haas, H-O-U-S-S. And if you want to build a cottage, a little house, it's very simple. You have four walls, one door, four windows, 7,450 dowels. Can I get a witness? Uh, one roof and a little S tool. Okay. So on the second line, you got the house, check. If it's upside down, it's wrong. Okay. Like you didn't maybe know that. And then you put a thousand dowels into each wall. And then you connect the four walls. So you have 4,000 dowels that are used. I don't know what you do with the other. 3,450, maybe you attach the roof with those. And then you have a 6,000 square foot mansion. That's amazing, isn't it? They have to look at that and go, something must be missing. Like something's not quite right. Like how did I get from point A to point B? How did I get all that with just some dowels and an S tool and a window and some walls Well, let's break it down today because the strength of God is something that God really wants you to have. And God's strength is something that is very practical in our lives. It really is. And so let's look at the background here of the story of the Exodus. The Israelites have been in captivity for more than 400 years. They were slaves. Um, They they originally went to Egypt when Joseph Uh, discovered the famine and he went there to find food and then he became the prime minister to the to the uh, pharaoh Uh, but after joseph died his descendants stayed in egypt and they became slaves 
And uh, for 400 years, man, they've just been in this strange land. It's not the homeland. It's not where they want to be, but it's where they're at. Sometimes life is like that, right? You're not where you want to be, but you, but you are where you are. And God delivers them. The people cry out, let us go to the land of promise. And God hears their prayer and he sends Moses. And Moses goes before the Pharaoh and secures the release of the people. But as they're leaving, the Pharaoh decides, you know what? I don't want the Israelites to go. You know what? Our economy was a lot better when I had all these slaves doing all the work. And now what are we going to do? So he gets all of his chariots together and he gets all of his soldiers and they go after the people that they have just released. Now they are on the edge of the Red Sea. And the Red Sea is the only thing that is separating um, uh, them from their future. And what are the people going to do? Well, let's look at these few things here. I want you to look at three things today that the Lord does and three things that, that we are to do. And the first is this. Number one, if you want to be stronger than ever, if you want to have the muscle of the Red Sea, you got to first of all get ready. Okay? You got to get ready because the Lord says. Now, how many of you know when the Lord says something, we ought to listen and we ought to respond to it? In fact, uh, in the book of Genesis, God said, Let there be light. And guess what happened? Kaboom! There was light. Uh, the word of God, the things that God says are of the utmost importance. Jesus is being tempted in the, in the wilderness uh, when he's fasting in the gospel of Matthew chapter 4. And the devil's tempting him. What does Jesus say? Man shall not live by bread alone, but what? By every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God if you want to be stronger than ever, you got to have God's word in your heart and in your life. That's, your, that's where your strength comes from, is from the power of God's word. But look at God's word here in Exodus chapter 14, beginning in verse 15. The Lord said to Moses, why are you crying out to me? Tell the Israelites to break the camp. As for you, lift up your staff, stretch out your hand over the sea and divide it so that the Israelites can go through the sea on dry ground. As for me, I'm going to harden the hearts of the Egyptians so that they will go in after them, and I will receive glory by means of Pharaoh, all his army, and his chariots, and his horsemen. So God says three things. He says, listen, Moses, number one, you need to quit crying. If you're crying, you can't do the word of the Lord. Moses is like, the bad guys are coming for us, and God, you just delivered us, and now it's bad, and what are we going to do, and everybody hates me, and life is hard, and come on, God, I'm old, and, you know, on and on and on and on and on. And God says, quit crying, and he says, lift up your staff. Now, to many people, the staff of Moses was a stick. But the staff of Moses was so much more. It was that tool that he was going to lift up over the Red Sea that was going to part it. Moses also used the staff when he was in the presence of Pharaoh and he threw it down and it became a serpent. He was trying to bring some legitimacy to his request to let the people go. Moses took his staff and hit a rock in the desert many uh, chapters later and water flowed out of it. This was one bad stick. Amen. This is, this is something that's awesome. And, 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 and I want to submit to you today that maybe what you need 
um, in your life uh, may already be in your hand. God may have already given you what you need to accomplish what is before you, you just may not have realized it. So for Moses, it's the staff. He's going to lift up the staff. God tells him, listen, you need to lift up the staff and quit crying. The Israelites are to strike the camp, break the camp, get moving. Um, the New Living Translation says, get moving. Uh, the, the Christian Standard Version says, uh, break the camp. In other words, pack your stuff up, get ready. You can't do the word of God if you're not ready. Um, We're to have a spiritual readiness about our life. And so he's saying, get the camp ready. How can you move if you haven't packed? So get ready. And then he says, I'm going to take out the Israelites. So God gives a command to Moses. He gives a charge for the Israelites. And then he tells them what he's going to do to the Egyptian enemy. And he says, listen, uh, get ready. Get ready. Uh, Many times we start getting ready when we see an opportunity come before us. But the Christian life is to be a life that is lived that is always ready. We're always in a battle. There's always an opportunity. Um, we should be ready for whatever, for whatever challenges come before us. We, we need to be ready. We need to be ready for the good days and the bad days. We need to be ready for opportunities to serve and to give and to challenge and to encourage and to bless people instead of just waiting around when an opportunity comes and then say, you know what, maybe I should get ready for that. We're we're to always be ready. Readiness is a huge part of being able to live a life of spiritual vitality. So, in other words, instead of praying, Lord, change my spouse maybe we should also pray Lord what do you want to change in me God what do you want to do in me I want to be prepared I want to be ready Uh, for you it might be forgiving somebody that's wronged you somebody who's really hurt you and you realize that if you live under the weight and the burden of bitterness that you cannot be the woman or the man of God that he's called you to be and you you can't be ready you can't be ready. You can't strike the camp. You can't pack your stuff up. You can't cross over into the, to, to the land of promise because, because, because you have this burden and this weight. Um, we got to be spiritually ready. We got to get back involved in church. You know, I want to challenge you. We've had a few months off and a lot of distractions and things like that. I hope you will be here every week because you want to be ready for whatever God has for your life in the days ahead. And coming to church is part of being spiritually prepared and ready for the things that God has for you. Living that life of integrity, being ready, prepared. Are you ready? Are you ready? Are we spiritually ready? Whatever may come our way. We don't know what's coming our way. We don't know the challenges that are before us, but we're ready anyway. Preventative maintenance. Well, a few years ago, we were beginning Edge Church, and I knew that we were going to need to raise some pretty good money to to start this church. Gene and I moved from Texas. We bought a house here in Aurora, and uh, I contacted over 300 churches about partnering with us financially to help us get the church started. And I knew we had to be ready. You know, you don't show up and start a church and then figure out what you're going to do you got to get ready. And part of getting ready is you got to raise some money. So I had 
30 of the 300 churches that said, yes, we'll participate. We want to help you. And that's how this church got started. A big, big piece of it was 30 churches said yes. Now you could look at that and say 270 said no. And that's true, okay? 10%, that's, that's a little depressing if you want to look at the numbers that way. But guess what? 30 was enough to get to where we needed to go. And we got prepared and God began to do great things in our city because we were prepared. I also spent 100 hours in prayer that I finished on the eve of our first worship experience getting ready for what God wanted to do. Now, that wasn't 100 hours in one, in one sitting. I'm not that spiritual. But over a period of time, I kept a little journal and I would add a little, little clock and I would just pray. And sometimes I'd pray for 30 minutes. Sometimes I'd pray for an hour and I would just put it in a journal and then I added it up and I finished at midnight the night before our first service. Preparedness, readiness. God, we are ready. Today we are declaring to our city and before our church, we are ready for what God wants to do. We got to get ready. We got to get ready. We got to hear the word of the Lord. We got to hear that word of the Lord. Um, part of getting ready is seeing it before, before we actually achieve it. Now, um, in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 13, it says, These all died in faith without having received the promises, but they saw them from a distance, greeted them, and confessed them that they were foreigners and temporary residents of the earth. And in that passage in Hebrews chapter 11, it talks about the Exodus. It talks about Moses and the Hebrew people. But what it says is that all of the list of people that were faithful to the Lord in Hebrews chapter 11, many of them didn't see all that they were about to accomplish. They didn't know. They did it in faith. And in, uh, if you look at uh, Hebrews chapter 11, verse 13, Moses said, stand firm and see the salvation of the Lord. You have to see where you're going. So part of preparedness is seeing where God's going to take you. I hope you have a vision for your life. I hope you're not just rolling through life, just making it up as you go. But you, you, you feel like there's a direction, there is a purpose, there, there, there is um, a, a calling, so to speak, that, that, that directs our lives and helps us to see the future. Um, we need to see some things in the spirit so we can accomplish what God has for us. That's just part of being prepared. And uh, th there's so many great examples of that in Hebrews chapter 11. But the Lord says, get ready. Now check it out. Here's the second thing. The Lord, the Lord acts, get moving. Okay? Now the reason that we start to hustle is because God is a God of action. God is not a God that sits around and just thinks or feels. God is an action God. Read the Bible. The Bible is full of action after action after action after action. Look at that Exodus 14, 21. Then Moses stretched out his hand over the sea and the Lord drove back the sea with a powerful east wind and all that night and turned the sea into dry land. So the waters were divided and the Israelites went through the sea on dry ground with the waters like a wall on their right and left side. God acted. How, how, did the, how did the waters of the Red Sea part? God went, whoop, God pushed them open, amen? 
I mean, God acted. Critics of the Bible have said, well, maybe they went through a a portion of the sea, not the Red Sea, the Reed Sea, and the water was six inches deep. And, you know, people have tried to explain away the miracles of the Bible. But, you know, it's pretty amazing to think about if, if, if it didn't happen the way that Moses described it here in Exodus 14, how in the world could all of those Egyptian soldiers have drowned in six inches of water? I'm telling you, God divided the Red Sea. And the same God that parted those waters is the same God that's going to empower your life. The same God that's going to give you the strength that you need to get out of bed tomorrow when you have to go to work and you don't want to. Or you don't feel like you can take another step forward. It is the same God that is going to provide for you that path in the middle of a desert. That path in the middle of nowhere. God is in the business of making paths where paths do not exist. (laughs) I mean, God is not inhibited by barren lands or seas or people or anything else. And God parts the waters. And it's still scary. Can you imagine like walking across the Red Sea and seeing a wall of water on one side and looking over and seeing a wall of water on the other side and thinking, oh my goodness, are we going to make it? Like that, that, would have, that would have been kind of freaky. It says that the Israelites walked across the Red Sea. I would have been running, I'm sure, because, because that, that's intimidating. I mean, that's, that's pretty scary. When you do the will of God, it's still scary. When you're walking that walk of faith, it's still challenging. Now, a couple things here about the great acts of God. Don't forget God's acts of the past. Now, just a few, just a few verses before, the Israelites are in captivity and God sends the ten plagues. And the ten plagues force Pharaoh to let the people go. But when they get to the edge of the Red Sea, this just happened. They already forgot the past acts of God. Look at it in verse 11. Then they said to Moses, it is because there are no graves in Egypt that you have taken us out away to die in the wilderness. What would you have done to us by bringing us out of Egypt? Isn't this what you told, what we told you in Egypt? Leave us alone so that we may serve the Egyptians. It would have been better for us to serve the Egyptians than to die in the wilderness. Now, wait a second. You guys just saw, you just saw the 10 plagues. Pharaoh, after 400 years, just let you go. And now you're facing another challenge and you want to go back and you want to die in the place that God is delivering you from. Sometimes we have lived under bondage and captivity for so long, we don't even know how to be free. We don't even know what it's like to walk in freedom because for so long we have walked the path of sin and destruction and and uncertainty and fear and and, and addiction and whatever it may be. We've walked that path so long that when God starts to liberate us, sometimes we look back and we go, oh, I missed that. You know what? The greatest miracle in the Old Testament almost didn't happen because the people were belly aching. They were whining. They were complaining. They forgot the past acts of God. 
Listen, the past acts of God are going to be the things that help you face the future. When you remember what God has done, you will see what God is going to do. Don't forget the past acts. Don't forget what God brought you out of. Don't forget what God delivered you from. Don't forget who you used to be before you met Christ. Don't do it. Don't forget the past acts. And the people immediately want to go back when they see Pharaoh's army coming after them. Here's the second thing, though. Big acts require big faith. Now, if you go to Hebrews chapter 11, verse 29, the New Testament writer comments on this experience in the Exodus. And if you want to learn um, the Old Testament, one of the greatest ways to learn it is read what the New Testament writers said about the Old Testament. Because the Bible is not two books, it's actually one book that all fits together. So the Old Testament is quoted all the way through the New Testament. So when the New Testament quotes the Old Testament, it tells us a lot. Check it out. Hebrews eleven twenty nine. 29. By faith they crossed the Red Sea as though they were on dry land. And when the Egyptians attempted to do this, they were drowned. Now notice it says, by faith, by faith they crossed the Red Sea. And I love the word they because what the writer of Hebrews is saying is that it was the faith of all of the Israelites that allowed them to cross. I mean, it's awesome for you to have faith, but how great is it to be a part of a congregation, a group of people that is all walking in faith? And your faith is building my faith, and my faith is building your faith, and we're praying together, and we're believing God together, and we're accomplishing great things together. That's the church. That's what the church is all about. The church is about the they. So I gotta ask you today who is your they? Who's the people that are standing with you and believing God for great things in your life and are waiting to see the acts of God? Who's the they? Who's the they? Who is it? Who is that they? God's timing is always perfect. God is never early. God is never late. God is always, he's always on time. He's always on time. Um, I, I love Joshua chapter 3. Um, it, it actually is the story of the Israelites going into the land of promise. Exodus is the, the, the leaving of the land of captivity. But you know they wandered in the wilderness for 40 years. They finally get to the promised land in Joshua 3. And they got to cross over. They had to cross over the Red Sea to leave. They had to cross over the Jordan River to enter. And it's so beautiful because in Joshua chapter 3, the priest grabbed the Ark of the Covenant and they actually stand in the waters of the Jordan River waiting for God to part the waters. And God parts the waters upstream to allow the entire nation to cross over to where they're going. Can you imagine the faith of those priests to grab the Ark of the Covenant and to go stand in the water when there is nothing that is moving, there is nothing that's stirring. It's one thing to believe God when the waters are already parted. It's another thing to stand in the water in faith and to believe that God is going to deliver. God acts. And when God acts, we need to respond. We need to get moving. 
Where is God moving? Where, where, where do you need to get moving? Where is God acting? Here's the third thing. The Lord saves. We ought to get excited. Get excited. Now, this is the end of the chapter here in verse 29. But the Israelites had walked through the sea on dry ground with the waters like a wall to them on their right and their left. And that day the Lord saved Israel from the power of the Egyptians. And Israel saw the Egyptians dead on the seashore. Saw them dead on the seashore. So there's a contrast. There's two kinds of people. Do you see it? There's the faith of the Israelites. There's the unbelief of the Egyptians. And what happens? The Egyptians die and the Israelites live. The exodus is a foreshadowing, it's a picture of our own salvation. When we believe in Christ, when we believe in his death and his resurrection, we will live. When we don't believe, we will spiritually die. We will spiritually die. And therefore, we should celebrate, we should celebrate our salvation and our new birth in Christ. God is leading us out of something so he can lead us into something. And they started as slaves and they ended as sons. You know what? How you start doesn't have to determine how you finish. <laughs> See, you, you may have lived under the control of sin, your own appetites, your own addictions, your own, your own choices, your own whatever it may be. But you don't have to stay there. In Christ, you can exodus where you are. You can leave. God did the heavy lifting. Think about this. God parted. God acted. He parted the waters. And God did the heavy lifting. At the cross, Jesus did the heavy lifting. God did the heavy lifting. He sent his own son to die on the cross, to rise from the grave on the third day. And he did so because he loved you and me. That's the gospel. That's the gospel. The Lord saves. The Lord saves. And God saves us, he rescues us, he delivers us from, from who we used to be so that we can become who he's called us to be. Maybe you've struggled with fits of rage, losing your temper, you know, just losing your mind. You go crazy, cursing, screaming, whatever. But Christ has come into your life and patience and peace is starting to take over. There's an exodus. Maybe you have a substance dependency. But you're starting to walk with God and you're finding yourself dependent on Jesus. Jesus is your substance. Jesus is your go-to. Jesus is what you need, man, to fill your life up. Maybe you've struggled with codependency. I always got to have somebody beside me to help me. I can't make my own choices and decisions. I got to lean on somebody else. But you walk with God and guess what? As you walk with God, you find that you can lean on the Lord more than your own understanding. What you need is not other people. You need a divine encounter with the Lord to help you exodus that codependent nature that you've developed. Maybe you've been abused or broken. Or maybe you struggle with shame. But God is bringing freedom and wholeness and happiness into your own life. We should celebrate we should celebrate our salvation. And guess what they did in Exodus chapter 15, verse 1. 
Then Moses and the Israelites sang this song to the Lord, and they said, I will sing to the Lord, for he is highly exalted. He has thrown the horse and its rider into the sea. The people began to celebrate. They began to sing. They began to party. They began to rejoice. They began to dance. They began to just respond with such great enthusiasm. God has delivered us. And that's a beautiful picture of our own salvation. God has delivered us. We have something to celebrate. Amen. I mean, in Christ, we have the greatest gift of all. Whosoever will believe in him will not perish, but will have everlasting life. Is there anything more wonderful than that? Listen, you're going to have the strength of God in your life because God is bringing you out of who you used to be. And he's creating your new identity and your new life in Christ. The Lord says, get ready. The Lord says, get ready. The Lord acts, get moving. The Lord saves. We should get excited. And when we do that, we'll begin to fill in the blanks, man, of our instructions. And God's strength will become a reality that will take place in our lives. Would you pray with me for a moment?